0: hello welcome to today's episode of the group therapy podcast today we have artist burlesque performer producer uh traumat uh you you hold a lot of you wear a lot of hats let's put it that way (laughs) katie cadaver herself uh welcome uh tell us about yourself
1: well thanks for having me um and like you said i do wear a lot of hats that's very true Um, And, you know, I just kind of consider myself an artist. I think uh, a lot of what I do just falls under that umbrella. So it's an easy way to describe myself. But um, yeah, I I perform burlesque. I model. I do all kinds of different art, uh, makeup art, textile art. I like to cosplay. Uh, I I produce burlesque shows. yeah, I just kind of have a lot of different irons in the fire, doing a lot of different things, and uh, a lot of it is inspired from horror horror movies. Um, And as you mentioned, I am a trauma too, so I do work with trauma entertainment, usually at conventions, uh, things like that. So, yeah, just a lot going on for me, but I love every minute of it.
0: Well, okay, technically we have one thing. Well, uh, we have a couple things in common. We're both horror fans and stuff like that. Um, I did. Uh... Years upon years ago, Troma was at Dragon Con, I believe. Okay. Uh, probably late 90s. Um, and basically, if you would dress up as one of the characters for like an hour, they would give you free stuff. Oh, yeah. So I was Sergeant Kabuki Man for like an
1: hour. <laughs> nice.
0: That's awesome. I got some free VHS tapes back in the day and some uh, uh, sign some stuff. So That's awesome. Yeah,
1: Troma really good at paying um, their help in free movies. So,
0: <laughs> that's well, and, and the nice part about them was back in the day, I did this, this the whole thing I do now spun out of a public access television show I did back in the uh, uh, early 2000s. And they would always send me just, they're like, I told them, I was like, hey, can I get a couple movies to review on my show? And they're like, yeah, and then I get this box full of trauma movies.
1: Oh, there's no lack of films that need uh, some some coverage there with trauma. Oh, yeah, right. there's a lot of hidden gems.
0: Yep, and uh, it was fun. But um, I, I have I have a big question. Um, burlesque. I, I I I've as I've gotten older, I've, I've discovered burlesque, and and I love it. Um, I have to ask, what does it take to produce burlesque, if if I may ask?
1: Well, in Milwaukee, where I'm from and where I do my shows, um, we're a little bit more of a smaller market. You know, we're not as big as your Chicago's, New York's, things mm. like that. Um, and unfortunately, in Milwaukee, the art form of burlesque isn't as uh, celebrated or supported as it is in some bigger markets. So that means our shows are a little bit smaller scale compared to like, we don't have budgets really at all. Yeah. Um, so for me personally, what I do is a little bit more um, niche. It's kind of on the margins, you know, uh, the group that I founded is called Grindhouse Tease. And much like it's named Grindhouse, uh, we bring some weird things to the stage and we kind of work in those margins and we really enjoy producing shows that um, are not your everyday burlesque show. Uh, nothing against, you know, classic burlesque. It's beautiful. It's wonderful. And it's why yeah. I'm able to do what I do today. Um, but what I bring is just a little bit different flavor, something that, you know, you may not see, you know, at just any, any old theater. So, yeah. um, uh, because of that, you know, we have a little bit, I guess, more limitations than maybe some of these larger market shows might have. And so, um, I really built Grindhouse Tees from the ground up, and we started, our first show was before we even had a name or anything. And our first show was really just pulling some performers together that we knew. Uh, using We use mostly dive bars, honestly, uh, here in Milwaukee. Those are our best venues because they don't charge us to use the space. They welcome us in the space for free. Um, sometimes they'll let us charge cover at the door to generate some funds. Uh, but we usually start with next to nothing. And most of the time, like if... Uh, we need flyers printed or any sort of marketing done like uh, the producers pay for that out of pocket. So, um, you know, I had I think I gave somebody a few bucks to create a, a digital image for us for a flyer. And, you know, we just started circulating it and we got a group of, I don't know, eight to ten performers together and we put on a show and Uh, We collected money at the door, I think like five bucks from everybody at the door and collected tips and we just split that amongst our performers and that's kind of how we, how we run it from a financial standpoint. Um, But there's so much that goes on behind the scenes as far as like the kind of show that I want to create as a producer and um, I did the, the few shows that we did this year we opened our season with a drive in theme show so. I was looking for acts that were really inspired by some of our favorite movies that we might've seen at the drive in growing up or, you know, just something that gives kind of that gritty old movie kind of feel. So I brought my Leatherface routine back. I hadn't done that one since 2019. So I got to bring Leatherface back to the stage and again, iconic drive-in film. Um, We had people doing all kinds of different things that are sort of, within that theme, but everybody kind of takes their own liberties. And we had a DJ that was spinning, you know, some some music that you might have heard in, in driving movies back in the day, stuff like that. We had concessions for sale, kind of that theme of you're going to the movies, but you're actually coming to see burlesque. Yeah. So. That that was one of our shows. We also opened up at the Twisted Dreams Film Festival. We opened up for the Milwaukee premiere of Shakespeare Shitstorm. And that was a trauma inspired burlesque show. So, uh, really, we brought that trauma attitude, that, you know, that schlock, that B movie madness, we brought that to the stage for um, our show before the, the film. And it was really like a great way to prime the audience for what they were about to see. Like, I think. All of the antics that we we pulled off on stage, you probably saw in Shakespeare's Shitstorm, you know, just a few minutes later. So, yeah. uh, you know, just bringing those, those kind of vibes, the things that you're, like I say, you're not going to see at your typical show. Yeah. We really like to do things that are um, a little bit unique, inspired by um, horror films, exploitation films, you know, that whole genre of things that push the envelope. That's really what we're about. So, you know, what goes into producing a show is really to come up with not only themes and ideas, but then the performers who can deliver those themes and ideas. And Grindhouse Tease is not a troupe. So a troop typically has the same 10, 15, 20 members in it, and they sort of just rotate through those same people. What what we do with Grindhouse Tease is we just have like open casting calls to area performers that may work with other troops or be independent performers, whoever they are. Um, they come to us saying, Yeah, we I'd love to work with you. And they provide us with information about the type of numbers that they have available, the things they're interested in doing. And then as we get to know these performers, we know what they're capable of and kind of what their style is. And so when I'm putting a show together, I have one other co-producer who helps me out. And when we're putting shows together, you know, we're sort of um, cherry picking people who we want, who we think are going to be a good fit. So it's usually a different cast for each show, depending on what our theme is and the vibe that we're going for. Cool. So, you know, we have to choose people, we have to choose a theme, we have to kind of make it all work together and then the music comes in and I have to make a set list. So I have to decide which performers are performing when and where and how we're setting it up. And it, it's actually, um, a little bit of a, a creative art form really to yeah. get the vibe that you want. And, um, I like to add special things in like music that in between, um, performers you know like some buffer music or during our intermission we may have some music playing or if we have the capability to run videos there are going to be specific things that we may want to put on that really fit the theme so uh, there's a lot of moving parts a lot of moving parts
0: see i i i i kind of figured it'd have to be um and i there's you know like i have another question is now do you come up with each vignette like each each performance or is it a collabora? Uh, sorry collaboration or you know is it like okay i i have an idea for like a, an evil dead um this is what i kind of like and then run with it you know or something like that how do you- well right
1: now we're kind of doing a collaboration effort where uh you know i have specific performers in mind and then they tell me well here's what I got for you here's what I could do for this particular show and then they'll let me know some acts that they have I do I would love to be able to come up with a very specific theme and then recruit people to create numbers based on that theme um but it's pretty it's that's a pretty big ask considering um our market right now and you know, it's such a niche thing. That's the problem is there's not a ton of performers uh, specifically who are going to be doing horror themed numbers. Um, So like if my dream is to be able to do something like that on a larger scale where I could bring people in from out of town to do something like that, uh, I would have to have a large budget, of course, because you have to be able to pay people for their travel and things like that. Um, But unfortunately the Milwaukee market just doesn't have enough people who are specifically you know, in a particular enough niche like horror, where I could put on strictly horror—not just horror as a genre, but like, like you said, like Evil Dead, like every act is Evil Dead inspired. Yeah, that yeah. would be amazing, right? But it's just not available to me with the performers that are here locally. So I have to be a little bit more broad with my themes. Um, but I think what we do encourages people to create numbers that will fit with what we do. So um, the more shows we put on, the more the the people in the burlesque community, the performers, uh, are getting inspired and getting ideas. And then they come back to us and say, you know, I really want to be in a show. I have this number that I think you'll really like. And um, we usually do well, like after a Halloween season, we typically don't do um, shows for the Halloween season because we don't have to, right? Everybody else who doesn't do what we do all year long has a ha- Halloween show. And that's when all the performers are like, let me come up with something spooky, yeah. something, you know, edgy, something horror themed. And then, you know, in January, February, we're like, hey, we're going to do a show, like bring your Halloween act that you just did a few months ago, bring it to our show and you can do it again. And so, you know, that that's really good for us. To kind of come back after that Halloween season, where everybody else has been doing what we do all year long, and then we have new material, so we yeah. can kind of pull from that. Um, but yeah, like I said, it, it's tough in a small market, and it's tough when you know it's such a niche style.
0: Yeah, we have. Well, I'm I'm middle Ohio. I'm not. I'm. I don't know if you know where Dayton, Ohio, is. I'm. I I'm do. About, yeah. Yeah. I'm mm-hmm. about. I'm about Thirty minutes north of Dayton, and okay. I know that there, there's a, uh, a burlesque troop down in Cincinnati. I believe it does. Uh, I know they did Star Wars. I know they've done other stuff, and sure. it, it never seems to fail. It, it, every time I'm like, I find out they have a show. I'm like, Oh, sweet! And it's like, Oh, it was yesterday. Yeah, <sighs> yeah. <laughs> or, or, or it's like, Oh, hey, they got a show coming up. When is it? It's the fifteenth. I will be out of state on the fifteenth. It, it never fails. Um, now. You know, and it's bad because I, I, I would assume that you know Milwaukee would have a rather large, I guess you know, market. But I'm also in Ohio, and we're Ohio's, I, 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 lack of a better term, home of horror, because sure. we have the more per capita haunted houses than any other state. Mm-hmm. We have multiple horror conventions. Uh, a ton of horror movies take place in Ohio, Um so it's one of the ones where I assume, because I'm like, oh, bigger towns got to have bigger. Then I'm like, yeah, bigger towns just aren't.
1: <laughs> well, I think it really depends on how the art is supported. And what I see in Milwaukee, unfortunately, the arts don't get a ton of support. Um, the drinking culture here in Milwaukee is huge. So everything kind of revolves around that um breweries do really really well here in Milwaukee um in the summer the pedal taverns you know they're everywhere like that's the kind of stuff that attracts people in our city and so um burlesque is kind of it's not i don't want to say it's underground but it kind of is like if you don't know about it somehow it's not easy to find out about it so we recently had an article written about grindhouse teas um in the shepherd express which is a local like entertainment style newspaper here in milwaukee and i think that has helped the shepherd express has really given a platform to a lot of the sort of quote unquote underground entertainment that's going on here in the city. Um, But yeah, I think it's really just about where what's getting support of the public and what's getting support from the media and, you know, stuff like that. And unfortunately what we do isn't going to be something that's going to gain a wide amount of support right off the bat. You know, we kind of have to, get into those spaces and just make ourselves known for what we're doing. And even the biggest troupe uh, burlesque troupe here in Milwaukee, the most popular, like not everybody, it's not a household name, you know, not everybody knows about them. So, you know, burlesque is kind of, well, I think, I think burlesque kind of suffers a little bit from being associated with stripping, which there's nothing wrong with either one of them, but, you know, there's there's a stigma that goes along with stripping, and a lot of people don't understand that burlesque, um, while it is very similar to stripping, it is a little bit different. And and I guess the best way for me to describe the difference is, like, I feel strippers tend to perform, um, you know, for the their people in the audience, like, it's like whatever they want, we want to give it to you as a stripper. Whereas as a burlesque performer, I'm doing this for me, and you're just lucky enough to be there to see it, you know? And if you like it, you can for sure tip me, but what I'm doing is not necessarily for you. It's for my own expression. And so I can put a little bit more creativity behind it, a little bit more theatrics, I have complete control over what I bring to the stage. Whereas I think, you know, like in a strip club environment, it's a little bit different. It's, it's more treated as a job than it is treated as, as an artistic endeavor. So, you know, but people conflate the two and um, think that, you know, burlesque is all about taking your clothes off and it's like taking our clothes off is part of it, but it's not even the biggest part
0: of what burlesque is. No, it's not even secondary. It's the, the, the performance and that's just the outcome. You know, it's right. It, it's the, it's how you get to that that makes it the art form. Absolutely. Um, it, it this is you know pretty fascinating. I um I know you do conventions and stuff like that. Have you ever been been able to do them at conventions?
1: I have not yet been able to do burlesque at a horror convention, but it again is a dream of mine to do it. Wow. Um, I just have to be talking to the right people, I guess. Um, and and have some. You know, I did have a possible opportunity, but. Then the pandemic happened and obviously that threw a wrench in the works for everything. So, um, you know, I'm still just trying to get back out there and get my feelers out there. Again, it would be a traveling opportunity because we don't have horror conventions here in Milwaukee.
0: So, um, When you got what, Chicago?
1: Closest we have is Chicago. So I could probably get some folks to come to Chicago. I actually work with some performers from Chicago who like to come up to Milwaukee and perform with us. So Chicago would be easy. Indianapolis would probably even be doable. Um, I don't know how big of a cast I could get for a show, um, but I think enough people, you know, if the opportunity was right, enough people would jump on it. And it truly would be a dream of mine. I think the numbers that I do would kill at a horror convention. People would absolutely love it. Yeah. Um, I get very theatrical, very, very um, accurate to the films. And yeah, I think people would really be into it. So it, it's been my dream to do that. The pandemic has, you know, slowed down the realization of that dream, but uh, it's still something that I'm working towards.
0: Yeah, that's, that's the, the, the pandemic has just kicked everybody's ass. Um, Tell me about it. Yeah. As uh, I I was running behind all week, I've been fighting being sick and it wasn't from the pandemic. I got sick, but I'm never used to get sick. Got COVID back in January. Now it's like every month I get sick. Like,
1: it's horrible. It's been rough. It's been really rough. (laughs) And, you know, just bouncing back in general, like I, I do a lot of horror conventions and, you know, I went obviously all of 2020 without doing a single convention. And then, um, no, I take that back. I did C2E2. That was my last convention before everything shut down. So I managed to get C2E2 in in 2020. And then in 2021, I think I did um, Horror Hound in Cincinnati. And we were, like, masked up. And I didn't even cosplay because it was just, like, I have to wear a mask. Like, I don't even want to. Um, And then I did... um, this past March of 2022, I was back at Horrorhound and I did cosplay and kind of, it felt like the first convention back to what it was like before, but it was still a little different. So I think we're all just sort of, you know, getting our feet wet again with all of this, you know, it just, everything got turned upside down and, you know, it's, it's been a slow start coming back with burlesque, coming back to conventions for me. Um, But I'm realizing that you know these are still my passions and still things that I want to be a part of and it may look a little different now post pandemic but um you know it's I'm still invested
0: what, what day were you at horror hound were you at the full weekend back in march i would have
1: been there the full weekend yeah in march in march i did not i was not able to make it this past september but i was there in march
0: i i i made it there in march and i was there for basically the horror host hall of fame and then i had to get back to work so oh. i drove all the way down there did everything and then hauled ass straight back to open my store and i was like 20 minutes late so dang
1: yeah, yeah, talk about cramming a lot in. I've been there. I've I've definitely done that. Where it's like I'm coming home from Indianapolis, and oh, we got two hours to, you know, we got another show to be at, and yeah, <laughs> just burning the candle at both ends, baby.
0: I, I don't I don't miss those days much, but it still happens. Uh, we did um, I did a horror con over in uh, Virginia a few months ago, and um, I go over there. First time in Virginia, first time I've been with the show. First time I've been a guest at a show, which is weird. And um, I get over there and I, I, of course, you know, I'm there to do interviews with people and nobody wants to do interviews on Saturday. Uh-huh. So literally I'm just sitting there for the entire day, just like do, 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 do. Yeah. And then Sunday, everybody wants to get their interviews in like in an X amount of time. Mm-hmm. I'm like, sweet. because so it's cool because I got to leave early. <laughs> so I got everybody... <laughs> into a very short period of time, got all my interviews and then drove the 10 hours back to Ohio. So,
1: yeah, that's, that's convention life for sure. <laughs> oh man.
0: Uh, so, you know, with you working in the, 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 the burlesque and, and stuff like that, do you have like a, a particularly, uh, um, performance you're, uh, really happy with one that you're like super proud of, like a character or something like that you've worked on
1: well i'm definitely most well known for the Leatherface burlesque routine that i do um it's probably i think it's the one i'm probably the most proud of and Leatherface is my favorite horror character and you can kind of see behind me some of the costume pieces that i use for this is just like a a dress form that i have them on when i'm not using it but um Leatherface is my favorite horror character, so to be able to bring Leatherface to life in my own way has been really cool for me. And it, and it's multifaceted. I mean, he's my favorite horror character, but he's also... He represents larger-bodied people, and I am a plus-size performer, so when I look at the character options available to me, you know, the characters that have body types similar to mine... It's pretty slim pickings. You know, there's not a lot of larger bodied, especially female characters. Um, Everybody, every fat girl's done a, um, what's her name? Ursula from Little Mermaid, you know, and it's like, that's not necessarily my vibe. Um, So Leatherface is really special to me, being that he's a larger bodied character. And I love the gender bending aspect where I can bring Leatherface, you know, as a female, I can bring Leatherface to life. I also have a cosplay that I do that's um I don't do burlesque in the cosplay because it's it's a lot of pieces that um it would be hard to do burlesque. So I have two separate costumes, but um my leather face cosplay is more of a part two leather face, and I have instead of you know short brown hair, I have a long brown curly wig, and then I have um like a, a mask that's just like a prosthetic that goes on half my face. So half of my face is glamorous with makeup. The other half is like a skin mask. And the tits are out, you know, the whole nine yards. So it's really fun to take that character and, and gender bend it and and kind of do what I want with it, um, being that it is a larger body character. And, and for me, like I said, I don't have a lot of options. So um, I love that I can do that. And and people really like it. And and my burlesque routine that I do as Leatherface, there are some, I guess you would say some, like, hidden messages in there. Um, for me, it's really um, a, a bit of social commentary. What I do in my act is I chase down the final girl or whatever and I kill her. And typically, the girl that I chase down, I like her to be pretty and to be thin and to be, like, the, you know, societal conventional attractive ideal um, that has been sold to all women that this is what we're supposed to look like and I like to murder that <laughs> on stage as leatherface and that's part of you know some of the social commentary that I like to say um, because part of what I do as a fat performer who's liberated in my fat body um, is to basically give a big middle finger to society a society that has told me that my body is not okay. And that I'm not worthy of applause in this body or that, you know, I don't belong on stage and I don't belong taking my clothes off, so on and so forth. So, you know, to be able to do it as Leatherface and to give a big middle finger to society telling me that I'm not allowed to do it, it's very liberating. It feels very good. And it's it's a rush that is hard to explain, you know, to people who don't don't understand it. You know, it's just, it's really a cool part of, of how I express myself. And... I've expressed myself through modeling for several years and modeling in a larger body and doing, um, you know, boudoir style shoots, um, doing nude shoots, things like that, where um, it really challenged me to be in this body Mm -hmm. and be unapologetically in this body, which, uh, again, society is not supportive of that. I'd like to think things are turning around a little bit here slowly. Um, But, you know, I'm really about you know, doing things that I've been told my whole life I can't do because I'm not in the quote-unquote right body for it. Um, I, I, It's it's just a big middle finger for me all the way around for stuff like that. So I think Leatherface is probably my favorite one for that reason. Um, but I, I started my burlesque career, uh, I auditioned and I opened uh, at my first show with a number inspired by the film Suspiria. So um, horror has always been a really big influence. I have a, a, a number that I do as a zombie which is also a really popular one um, and I, I take sort of different music from different zombie films and put them together as my track. I also did a Killer Clowns from Outer Space number which stands to be probably the most theatrical, most involved, and the most moving parts of any number I've ever done there are shadow puppets, there's a hula hoop, there's a pie in the face. There's so much going on with that one. Um, So you can see that one's on my YouTube channel. I have just only a few videos on my YouTube and it's all from like when I first started performing, I would record them and put them up there. So um, I've advanced in my skill, especially as a dancer, because I came into burlesque with no dance experience whatsoever. Um, I was just asked to audition and I saw it as a challenge to, you know, grow as a person. And I said, sure, I'll do it. And I'll figure out the dancing part later. So I've been, you know, teaching myself how to dance and I I participate in different dance classes and things like, um, you know, fitness classes that are dance centered just to move my body on a regular basis and get comfortable with those movements. And I think in the five years that I've been doing burlesque, I've really seen a lot of growth in how I move my body and how comfortable I am moving my body, you know, in these spaces. Um, it's definitely been a growth opportunity for me. So, yeah, I do I do a lot of of different numbers now, um, trying to cut back a little bit on the huge theatrics because, those numbers are really hard to travel with and right. do at different places. That gets really tough, so um I'm trying to simplify it a little bit, even though that's really hard for me because I love the stage effects and the fake blood and well, let's go uh, big or
0: go home yeah
1: <laughs> for for a big portion of what I do that's absolutely true um you know i I try to have some of these numbers that are are fun and you know, again, I can pop in on somebody else's show and do a number quick and, and it's not a big, huge production and I don't have to lay down tarps and you know everything, but <laughs> sometimes that's what I have to do. And, and people who know me and know my style pretty much come to expect that there's going to be some tarps and some fake blood going on. So uh,
0: do, do you have a dream uh, performance that you would love to do that? You just haven't figured out the logistics <sighs> for or anything yet?
1: I do, I do have a few things in mind. Um, One of the things, and I'm trying to figure out how to make, and I'm sure there's a way to do it, but I have, I don't want to give too much away because I'm probably going to create it at some point, but I have this vision of like a cross that, a a motorized cross that will turn upside down on its own. I also, um, I really want to do a burlesque number as King Diamond. I have to figure out, how that's going to work um but i have some some ideas and some visions of of burlesquing as king diamond i have cosplayed as king diamond before um and i i have plans to cosplay as king again um but i've done i done i did like a merciful fate era king diamond and i'd like to do a more current king for my next um cosplay so i'd love to somehow bring king diamond into burlesque i have a few ideas you know again the cross motorized cross that can flip upside down probably going to be a part of that too i don't know i'm still working out all those details but um i have so many ideas that just float around in my brain i hear a song and i get inspired like what can i do um i've always wanted to so for me like um themed acts are huge and I would love to theme something around Christmas and I thought well what can I do that's Christmas and that's me and then one of my favorite horror films is Profondo Rosso Deep Red um Dario Argento and the murder the initial murder in that film that um takes place you know in in the past is is a Christmas murder yep and it's like that is so freaking niche I don't know Who's gonna figure that out? You know, my two Jalo fans in the audience maybe will know what's happening there with that. But it's like, how can I make this where it it translates to people who have never seen that film, but also the people who have seen it are like, oh my god, like this is perfect. You know, I also um, would love to do. Um, oh, what there? There's just the, hell comes to Frog Town. That's that's one that I'm like, who's gonna? Well, do that, that has
0: a, a dance scene in the middle of it. Yes, that I would know. work perfectly.
1: Yes, all I have to do is wear a frog head. I mean, truly, but there you go. Again, it's going to be so weird, and like two people are going to know what it is. But you know, that's this is the kind of stuff that like I need to be doing this at horror conventions because yeah, pe- be everybody perfect. would know that yeah. all of those people are in the same room. But um, you know, it's just a matter of having the time, the money, and the space. Um, to perform these, these numbers. You know, a lot of the places we perform are small stages, um, where it's just like, the, it's a lot of moving parts for a small stage. Like, I need a theater stage. And unfortunately, Milwaukee just doesn't, our, our theaters do not support burlesque the way that theaters in other places do. And um, we're, some of us in, in the scene are trying to change that, you know, but it's not something that happens overnight. So okay. we're all just working towards that. And in the meantime, I'm creating what I can create with what I have available to me, um, and and just you know trying to make it the best that I can.
0: See, so you you talk about Christmas theme. I think you should do a Christmas theme and do all the Silent Night, Deadly Night movies. So you start, oh God. and so you go through like even I, the, the third to trash fourth day. The yeah. It's just
1: a whole. It's just a whole thing where I just it's, it's garbage day, and that's garbage all it is day. the whole time.
0: <laughs> Dance with the trash can. Yep. <laughs> me and my son we we love three four and five the ones oh, that no one remembers yep and uh i was like i love was it five because screaming mad george did the movie and the, the effects and stuff for it so it's so cool. yes
1: that's what i mean like i could get so niche and so specific with some of the things that i like Uh, but i think part of it for me too is like knowing that it lands for other people that somebody else is like excited about it even when i've cosplayed king diamond like your average person on halloween walking down the street with their kids or treating does not know king diamond is but the guy that does know Flips the fuck out about it and loves the shit out of it because it's it's spot on you know it's yeah, like perfect yeah.
0: well I, I just went and seen king diamond a couple of weeks ago well merciful fate but yeah. I, I remember the year i went dressed as a baseball fury from the warriors
1: oh yeah i've seen i saw a couple of those uh this halloween actually so and, and
0: i'm walking this guy just runs up and goes, holy shit you're a baseball fury i'm like thank you you're yeah. the only guy
1: yeah, it's tough, you know, and it's tough as an artist to <laughs> think that like what you're doing isn't necessarily landing for people. Yeah. So, I try to I try to remember that like my core audience is probably not going to know every little minute detail. My horror fan audience is going to know those things. So, it's really it's really I'm doing it for them, but I'm but what I'm doing is it translates well enough that somebody who's never seen the movie and has no idea what it is can still be entertained by it, and still it'll make them feel something, you know? And that's what I've heard about my Leatherface number specifically. I mean, people get like scared. Uh, I've heard uh, confused boner. Um, you know, all kinds of feelings. Like I want people to feel things, and and if it's a love letter to that horror franchise. And somebody else understands that all the better, you know, but I just want to make you feel something in that audience.
0: Well, that's the whole point of art is to get somebody to feel anything, whether they, either they love it or they hate it, they still feel something, you know? Right. And um, well, the nice part about Leatherface is is Leatherface is one of the big three. You got Leatherface, Jason and Freddie, and then you know Michael Myers and, 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 you know, so you do have that going, but, you know, I hate to say this, I got to shelves of horror movies over there that I think would make a great burlesque thing, but no one knows who they are. Yeah. <laughs> yeah, uh,
1: That's, that's kind of a constant battle with, you know, having such a, a, a niche, you know, space that you're coming from with horror movies. And I've done some other things. I recently, for the, for the trauma show that we did, I knew I wanted to bring something, that wasn't necessarily horror because that's, I think, what people come to expect from me. So I wanted to take that opportunity to do something different. And I was inspired by a song called Country Boner, which is by the band Pussifer. And again, Pussifer is a niche band that most people don't uh, know about. uh, Um, uh, But uh, a lot of people know Mainer
0: from Tool. Tool
1: It's one of his other bands. And uh, the song Country Boner is basically just making fun of country music and about fucking the people, all the people in country music. And I hate country music. I mean, no offense to anyone that loves it. It's just not for me. Yeah. Right. Um, But I thought what a perfect way to sort of poke fun at this. So I dressed up like a country Western style. Like I had a hat, I had the fringes, the whole nine. And I come out with a horse on a stick and I dance to this. I do like a line dance style dance to country Boner. And at the end, I have a boner. And uh, that's the big reveal as I take off all my clothes. Um at the end, I have a boner. So again, just very schlocky and very, you know, ridiculous. But it was an opportunity for me to do something a little different than what I usually do um and have fun with a song that I was inspired by. and i'm and I'm feeling inspired by other music that you know I could use some of those costume pieces with some other songs and develop some other acts that are you know kind of in that same vein and it and it was like my first I guess not truly my first comedy act I think my killer clowns from outer space act was really well it was a horror act it was still really more a comedy act because yeah killer clowns okay. <laughs> but uh this one was strictly a comedy piece um so it's not what I usually do but I like to push myself to to do something a little bit different just to see what I'm capable of and and just to have fun with it
0: you got to have fun with it because if if you don't then what's the point you know
1: exactly exactly you know it's it can be stressful it can be a lot but at the end of the day it's fun and the feeling that I get um after hearing that applause or just after having a successful show where my performers got tipped really well, everybody had fun. I created a a safe environment for people to express themselves and not feel like they're going to be criticized. Um, A place where people with all different body types, skin tones, sexual orientations and genders can be in a space and be, feel free to be who they are. Like, when i come off of a successful show that's that that looks like that i feel like i could do this for the rest of my life you know i mean reality sets in when it's time to plan the next show and things get stressful again and it's a lot of work but the payoff is really great so uh it's that constant balance between those uh the stress and the payout you know
0: all right we've talked about music i gotta ask you what's your go-to band
1: well, it depends on my mood, but, you know, lately my go-to band has really been Pussifer. Like, I, I've i loved Pussifer since the first time I heard them, and I want to say that was probably 2006 or seven. You know, so it's been a long time, and they never disappoint. You know, everything they put out, just, it's chef's kiss, for, as far as I'm concerned. Like, Maynard is probably my greatest uh, artistic idol. You know, I, I I'm so inspired by everything that he does. Um, And I think that plays a big part into why I like Pussifer so much because it's really, um, you know, it's a different side of him. Like, I I was turned on to Maynard through Tool in a perfect circle when I was younger. And Tool remains one of my favorite bands to this day. Again, like, it's the art for me. It's really the the deepness of the music and the lyrics and everything that goes into it. Um, And Pussifer meets me where I'm at today in a really special way, which I love. Um, but, you know, I'm just, I'm a punk, I'm a metalhead, you know, I, I love all kinds of music. I get into so much, like, this year I've been dancing a lot at, out at the club here. Uh, we have a club in Milwaukee called Mad Planet, and uh, they do a retro dance party on Friday nights. And it's usually like 80s new wave style, you know, Depeche Mode, Duran Duran, Smith, stuff like that. And I just love dancing to that music like it just makes me want to move my body and you know that's not necessarily what I might put on if I was just going to have like a chill afternoon at home but if I want to move and I want to dance like that's going to get me and and I love you know the misfits are are classic for me like I can never go wrong with misfits um like I say so much different music like Led Zeppelin was the band that like got me into rock and roll when I was a kid you know, I stumbled upon my parents' Led Zeppelin albums, and I just, it took off for me. But I just love music. I love metal. Like, I, I and I will support the local bands out here making music. And we have a lot of great bands making original music here in Milwaukee. we got a ton of bands that cover a lot of great music that I love. Uh, and I just love to go out and support these guys and just be where, people are making music in real time you know there's just something about being in front of the music while it's being like generated in that moment it's yeah. one thing to listen to it on, the, on the speakers in the car and my headphones or whatever but it's another thing to be right there in front of them while they're doing it and just drinking it up so yeah, yeah. I mean my go-to is everything I don't know <laughs> I like it all so much
0: now have you ever done live uh, bands during your uh, uh, burlesque
1: we have typically what we do is like if we're putting on a full show we may have like a band open and they play a full set and then we'll have burlesque and and then we'll do a full set and then we'll have like a band after us we've done that before we've never done where like the band plays and the burlesquers perform at the same time that's you know that would be super fun, but the logistics of that are difficult based on the space that we typically have and stuff like that but we love to combine live music with our burlesque and kind of cross over fandoms you know bring fans in who maybe would only be there for the burlesque to see the bands and vice versa yeah so it, I find it's a really fun way to collaborate with other creatives in the city yeah
0: that, that's that's cool um okay I gotta ask. What's your go-to horror movie?
1: Oh, I mean, look, my favorite horror movie of all time is the Texas Chainsaw Massacre Part 2.
0: Part 2, Specifically
1: yep. Part 2. I mean, no shade to, to 1 and 3 and anything after that doesn't really count, but to number 2 is, is my shit. It's everything I love about horror movies. You know, it's that dark humor that I enjoy. It's the special effects that I love. Tom Savini has inspired me so much in my work. Um, and it's and what i love the most about part 2 is that you know bubba's got a girlfriend you know they really give some humanity to leatherface which i like to see he's still a crazy scary motherfucker but he there's that little bit of humanity and i feel like i can relate to that better than i could in in possibly any of the other films so that's what i really like you know everything that i love about 80s horror and horror in general, all wrapped up into that film, and it was also directed by Toby Hooper, which most people are surprised to find out when they compare it to the first one. But uh, that's a whole different episode for us to discuss oh, that yeah. film. But um, and I do, I do love Dario Argento films quite a bit. Um, I get into these java moods where I just want to sit down and watch Italian horror movies, or you know, and and I definitely love. Like Deep Red is is one of my favorites. I, I could watch that movie anytime. Like, it, and it lands really well for me. But there are so many movies that I just I I love for different reasons. And um, I'm trying to think like what's the last one I've even watched? Oh gosh, I don't have a lot of time for movies anymore. Like this whole sitting down thing is just it doesn't happen for me very often. So um, I do have behind me here a move of. Poster for the film, uh, the American title is Buried Alive, but the Italian title is Buio Omega, which it, most people don't know. It was directed by Joe D'Amato in like 79. And it's, uh, again, another film that embodies everything I love about horror. And this one has a Goblin soundtrack that most oh, yeah. people rank as like the worst Goblin soundtrack, but I fucking love it. I love Goblin anyway. Oh, um,
0: Goblin's great.
1: Goblin think- is my shit um so it's got a goblin soundtrack it's got necrophilia it's got some uh you know some pretty gruesome effects that are really great like you can't go wrong with that one and it's hard to find which makes it even more of like a little gem um i bought i got it it was like the blu-ray i believe severin put out like a whole package so it was the blu-ray and like that poster and i got an enamel pen. I got like a air freshener for my car, like all kinds of weird shit in this package. It was so cool. A t-shirt. That was like back in, I think, 2018 or 2019 that I got that. So um, that Buya Omega is is definitely a go-to for me as well. And one that like if people are asking for like off-the-wall recommendations, I'll give them that. And then I'll say go watch Anthropophagus uh, when you're done
0: because yeah. that one's
1: also crazy as hell. Uh, but Buy Omega is much better in my opinion. It's the better film of the two.
0: See, I'm I'm a sucker for the uh, the 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 demon movies. Yeah, uh, and it's demons fun- is great.
1: And it's funny. Great soundtrack to- too.
0: Oh yeah, it's and worst for about it. This isn't even the the like the one soundtrack. So this has none of the pop music on it. This is all the. Oh, wow. uh, uh The music composed by Claudio Simonetti. Claudio
1: Simonetti. I just met him uh, a few weeks ago.
0: Um, and it's funny because I'm like, I love those movies, and like, how many of them are there? I was like, technically, there's two, but there's like twenty. <laughs>
1: right. Yeah. De- they they did weird shit. Those Italian directors did such weird shit with like uh, <clears throat> stealing names and calling it part two of a like. That's not even part of that franchise. What are you doing? But they're stealing the names to get the people, oh, yeah, you know, like, back then to watch these films.
0: La Casa, which is mm-hmm. is Evil Dead one, two, then House one, two, and then it goes right. and it's like, okay, but yeah, Demons is funny because then you get Demons three, the ogre, or Demons three, the church, or the sect, or <laughs> black demons, or whatever. And yeah, yeah you can really
1: get get in a deep rabbit hole with some of these and it was funny when we were uh just a few weeks back <clears throat> we were, it was second weekend of october when we were at the twisted dreams film festival here mm-hmm. in milwaukee and i was helping with the setup ahead of time because i had to get you know like supervised stage set up for the burlesque and then i was also doing the table setup for trauma so i had all this stuff going on and we're in we're in this movie theater and it's dark, you know, it's before it opens. And this guy that works there is helping me out. And I'm like, you ever see Demons? And he's like, no, I don't think I see. I'm like, you work in a movie theater. You need to see fucking Demons, dude. <laughs> he's like, all right, I'll put it on my list, you know? So I was just talking about that movie not too long ago. Um, but yeah, th- there's there's so many great movies and like so many great ones that I can't even think of right now that that I just love and are such fun go-to films for me. Um they live is another really fun one that i would love to do something uh you know with burlesque and that movie somehow oh my god um, if, you,
0: if you could time it right and do it so that you're you're like the normal and then you like fall like go behind something and then come out as the the alien and then keep uh-huh you now no, that would be yeah. awesome
1: there's actually a performer in Chicago, I think, that uh, Red Rum is their name. And I think they have done something with They Live. Uh, I have to look at their their catalog of of numbers because they've done a lot with horror movies. Hey, there it is. <laughs> very good.
0: Yes, I am, a, I am a collector of vinyl.
1: Hey, that's nothing wrong with that. I have a very small collection, um, again, just because I... I don't know if I, if I had the, the money and the space for things, I'd probably go a lot crazier than I do. And, um, you know, I've dated collectors, I've been good friends with collectors and I, and I see what happens. I see what happens with the space when, yep. And I mean, my collection is, is small comparatively, but, um, you know, I have kind of one area to keep everything and I try to behave myself.
0: <laughs> I, I got, I got, I got lucky. Um, we bought this house. Uh, my wife has the full upstairs. That's hers. I get the finished basement. That's mine. Perfect. And the man
1: cave, right? That's, that's a good setup.
0: Yep. And then I got all my, my posters of movies that people have no idea that exist. I have uh that's prom, great. prom night three. The ones oh, that yeah. were, no one remembers prom night three or four.
1: <laughs> no. No, that's like, uh, oh, what is the, the, oh crap. Now the Frank Hennenlotter, uh, how many batska cases did he do? Three. Three, right? Nobody, nobody likes the, the two or three. They only just like part they one, love right? love one, two and
0: three. <laughs> three is really weird with the, 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 with the, they introduce all the other freaks and the mutants and then he has. A yes, yes. Bilal has kids with the other, Yes. Yeah. Yep. That. Those those movies are somewhere in the collection over there or boxed away somewhere else. Sure.
1: Well, and it's one thing to be a horror fan and to like shit that even other horror fans are like, what? And then it's something else to be a horror fan and like shit that, you know, in horror is pretty well known. Like the Texas Chainsaw Master Part 2. When I tell a regular person that that's my favorite horror movie, they're like, part two? They did a part two? And I'm like, yeah, they did. And then to hear the critique... You know, my favorite critique lately has been uh, of, you know, the new Hellraiser. And, oh, it's, you know, it's too queer. And it's like, have you, you clearly have never met Clive Barker, obviously. As someone who has, I can tell you how off the mark you are with that statement. You know, it's just, people don't, people don't know, like, uh, really what's behind a lot of these stories and a lot of this stuff. But, um, yeah, I'm definitely not usually one of those horror fans that, like, is is a weirdo to other horror fans. I'm usually just a weirdo to regular people, <laughs> to most other horror fans. When I say, yeah, TCM two. And they're like, yeah, totally. You know, they, they understand where I'm coming from.
0: <laughs> we we <laughs> legitimately had the conversation yesterday at my shop about all American massacre. Oh. And, and cause both me and my son love Texas Chainsaw Massacre too. And it, we're like, mm-hmm. man, it's a shame that that will probably never see the light of day. Yeah, And they don't know why that it will never see the light of day, but it's depressing.
1: (laughs) Yeah. Tell me about it. Well, and it's, and it's fun to tell people too, that like, you know, like I've said things like house of a thousand corpses wouldn't exist as the film. It is without the Texas chainsaw massacre too. And people are like, what? Like, how do you, how do you draw that conclusion? And it's like, well, watch both of those movies and then get back to me,
0: you know? (laughs) Well, you know, we talk about Rob Zombie movies here. I, I got people who hate Lords of Salem. They, they're like, mm-hmm. that doesn't fit into with this stuff. I like, dude, that's an Italian horror movie
1: mm-hmm.
0: made by an American director. That's his homage mm-hmm. to America. And they're like, what? I'm like, go watch an Italian horror movie. Yeah. Go watch The Beyond. Go watch, yeah. you know.
1: <laughs> well, and I think, I think it just comes down to people's um, artistic interpretation. You yeah. know, it's like, um, not everybody views art from an artist's lens, no. and I think a lot of us do. Um, and and it makes it easy to see these these threads that kind of run through everything. Um, you know, John Carpenter is a great example for me. Like, I just I see a thread that runs through all of his work, and it and it's it's his style as a director and as a musician and like as an artist and how it all culminates together. And it's and it speaks to me you know, I like, I like what he does, but a lot of people don't, you know, they're not looking at it from that, that lens, you know, and, and I don't want to, I don't want to say it's like a matter of like being intelligent enough to understand things, but I think um, there is a certain like artist's intelligence. I don't know, that's probably a poor wording, but um, just a way of, of receiving the information that if you're if you're seeing it through an artist lens you just are seeing it differently than somebody who's just critiquing it as a movie uh, you know like rob zombie movies are a great example because you know people have come to expect or you know certain things or expect certain uh, downfalls of, of him um so you know that that kind of plays off of you know like you said if you if you kind of see where his inspiration is coming from um you can better understand the direction of some of these films
0: and my dog the dog <laughs> cute yep that's the wife's dog my dog is chilling out on the couch she she's real quiet too quiet no sure <laughs> um, now i got to ask you how did you get involved with trauma
1: um again like, it sort of fell in my lap. It was, uh, a friend asked me if I wanted to help out. Uh, they were doing, it was like Wizard World, I want to say, in like 2016. And a friend was was going to be helping them at the convention and asked if I wanted to go along. And I was like, heck yeah, I jumped on the opportunity. And um, I don't know, I guess it was a great um, first interview with Troma. And they loved the work that I did. And they loved... Uh, my personality and how I worked with the fans and stuff. And they asked me to come back. And so I just kept coming back. And, you know, here we are all these years later. And I've worked one on one with Lloyd quite a bit. And um, you know, I I mostly just work the the table at the conventions. And there's kind of a, I don't know, kind of a vibe you you have to have as far as like um, understanding like Lloyd's needs in a crowded space and and like the the fans being in line, like understanding sort of how conventions work and how you know these fan lines work and like getting people to move through quickly and, and keeping Lloyd happy while all this is happening. It's a lot to juggle and on top of it, I'm usually in all of the pictures and stuff. So um, I wear a lot of hats in that scenario as well, but I think because I'm able to do it successfully, Troma enjoys having me, and they want to have me back, you know, as often as possible where I can help out because um, I really do know what it takes to basically be on the convention floor all day with Lloyd and and have him, you know, not, uh, you know, (laughs) have a meltdown (laughs) from craziness because it's a lot. It's a lot of people, and it's a lot of signatures and a lot of stories and a lot of pictures, and we keep her moving, so... (laughs)
0: Yeah, because it's, it's, uh, there, there's a lot going on at conventions that people do not realize how much there is. Um, I, I do my own little small convention here in my hometown, and people are like, man, you're running around like a crazy person. I'm like, yeah, I was.
1: <laughs> yeah.
0: But I, but every, everything I was doing had purpose. So,
1: <laughs> yeah. Yeah. And, and, you know, unless you, unless you uh, go to horror conventions a lot or have like any sort of insight on what goes on behind the scenes, you know, there's so much that's happening that people just aren't aware of, you know, and unless you're, you're a part of that, you just don't know.
0: So um, I got to ask you, um, do you have a movie that people may not have heard of that's relatively new that you need to, do you think people need to see? Oh, shoot.
1: Well, I'm going to be real honest with you. (laughs) I am so behind on watching new movies. Um, You know, I'm guilty of when I do have time to watch a movie, I pick one of the old standbys that I've seen a thousand times that I just love. And I want to, you know, I want to feel what I'm going to feel when I watch that one. Um, So unfortunately, like, I want to say the newest film I've seen was probably, I think I was... It was probably like Prey, that like Predator prequel. Yeah. Yeah. Um, I saw that one. And that's probably the newest film I've seen, um, which tells you I'm, I'm, I'm be so, be. yeah, I'm behind. I'm behind as hell. I'm terrible. Like, I, you know, I'm great to for old film recommendations, but new movies, I don't know. But I've heard, um, oh, what is that one? Uh, Bones and All. I've yeah. heard that one's really good. And I haven't seen it. I haven't seen I've it heard either. Some, Great I, reviews on it. So that one's on the list for sure. Yeah,
0: I had every intention of watching Smile. And I was like, man, and I missed it in the theater. And now it's like on uh, streaming. I'm like, okay, I need to really see this. Yeah. And then I've been too busy because of the holidays and stuff and being sick. And then, of course, like you said, I go like, ah, oh, you know what? Play the vampires. Click. Yeah,
1: <laughs> It's so easy to do that. Like, and I've got a Shutter subscription. So, I mean, it couldn't be easier for me to just scroll through until I see oh yeah like I'm in a I'm in a that you know whatever mood like pick a film whatever it is I'm in a you know Friday the 13th part six mood I'll put that on you know
0: it's that's like my go-to that's my go-to Friday the 13th is six so.
1: mine too I love that one it's well, got it's a the, great soundtrack
0: it's the first yeah it's the great soundtrack the first appearance of the undead Jason yes uh, so um and it's funny because because um I I've I'm going to be on somebody else's podcast next weekend. And so I've been watching our, our whole discussion is going to be between Liberta Bava and Mario Bava. And oh. we're going to talk those. So that's what I've been watching a lot of because yeah, two of my go-to films are Planet of the Vampires, which I can watch anytime. Sure. And Demons.
1: <laughs> yeah. Hey, nothing wrong with that. Nothing wrong with that. I, yep. I'm, I dig it.
0: Yep. Um, and you, you do podcasts too, so I do. When do when do you have time? Because you you, you don't. So your time that you normally do watch movies. That's when you're, you you have everything else to do.
1: Pretty much. Like I'm hoping you know winter's gonna be setting in. And that's usually when I like to slow down, kind of hunker down a little bit and and try to get some movie watching in. So I'm going to have to like organize my list of, of films to watch. But yeah, I love doing podcasts because I think it's just, it's a super fun medium, first of yeah. all. And I listen to a ton of podcasts. Um, my day job is I clean for a living. And so um, I, I typically don't have to deal with people I don't have to talk to anybody, so I pop an earbud in my ear and I turn on podcasts and I just listen to stuff while I'm working, and it's really great. It's a great way for me to consume media. Um, You know, I can listen to audiobooks as well. Um, You know, anything that requires me to stop moving and focus, like I I don't always have a lot of time for that. So, uh, podcasts are great for me in that way, and I've been on. Uh, I don't know. I couldn't even count at this point. I used to do regularly. I was a part of a movie review podcast where uh, it was a weekly one. So we'd have to watch a different movie every week. And that really forced me to watch more films and like watch movies that I would never have picked up on my own to watch. And, and a lot of them that I might quote unquote, put on my shame list of like, I'm ashamed. I've never seen this before. And so now I'm finally watching it. And, um, I miss having an excuse to like, Oh, this is my homework. I really have to watch this movie. You know, it's important. Yes. Um. So I don't have that motivation anymore. So I don't get into as much movie watching as I would like to, but you know, it's coming up on the holidays and winter time. And uh, I'm definitely going to have more time for that. So I want to settle in and I want to, you know, check some of these films off my list. I need to watch Halloween ends. That's important. Um, yeah and some of these newer uh, films that have come out in, in the last like since 2021 probably I, I haven't even seen that uh, everything all at once or everything hot. everywhere all it, at once it's finally I haven't seen on that TV either. so I'm going
0: to try to watch that this week so
1: yeah people have been talking about that too like you have to see that and so yeah I'm so so behind I, I really need to I'm I'm a terrible horror fan especially having not watched <laughs> a lot of horror movies lately <laughs>
0: during the horror season, you know, it's horror season for for me all the time is all through September, October. You and I watched universal and hammer films stuff. I've watched a hundred times. I just, I fell into that hole and I just kept going. And then I think, you know, I I dug out a couple newer ones, but for the most part, I always go back to the old favorites and it's hard not to get away from them because they're the same way. Chronically, chronically to the point where it's like,
1: you know, I don't know, because a new movie, I don't know what to expect going in. And so that's a whole different thing, right? Like, I have to be in a sort of mood where I'm ready to receive new information, mm-hmm. ready to be surprised, perhaps, or disappointed or whatever. Like, um, I, I, sometimes if I am on unlimited time or I have other things on my mind or, like, I just need something in the background or whatever, I just want to go with something I'm familiar with because I know what to expect, and I can just kind of, you know, lean in and 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 look up at those important parts that I really can't miss, oh, yeah. you know, that specific kill or something, you know. So yeah, I, I'm I'm guilty of of just kind of going with those old standbys too often.
0: The other thing I've 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 you know, the old standbys are the old standbys for a reason. Because now yeah. every time you turn around, it's like the scariest movie you've ever seen or the scariest <laughs> movie of the year. And then you watch it and you're like, oh, that was scary? I don't yeah. get it. What happened? You know?
1: Yeah, totally. I And, you know, I try to go in with no expectations, especially with newer films. Um, but I'm such a, I don't know. I just so, so prefer, like... 70s and 80s just over everything that so when a film is kind of paying homage to that i like it um so that's kind of cool for me i like when when movies do that and this um bones and all looks like it may be in that vein so i could probably dig that and it's also the same director who did the remake of suspiria which i have mixed feelings about but i see the genius there so uh, i'm gonna try to have an open mind about that
0: I'm, I'm not gonna lie Suspiria is the one that I keep staring at I have not watched it have not pulled the trigger yet Suspiria okay. is one of my favorite horror movies yeah and I just keep staring at it going I see the appeal I mm-hmm. understand that it could be good everybody tells me it's good it's two and a half hours so it's not like it's, it's one of the long. ones you just sit down and like chill out for yeah. 90 minutes like you can with original Suspiria yep and um, it's a journey, yeah. And you got it's got Tilda Swinton in it. It's got it's got a great cast, but it's still the whole thing. You're just like, ah, uh, mm. yeah. I have to watch a movie I, I know I like, yeah, that long, yeah. and I might not like.
1: Yeah, it's it's an investment, and I will say I've watched it twice. Um, I saw it in the theater when it came out, and then I watched it again for the movie podcast that I used to be on, and um, it, I definitely it's like. It's so it sucks to have to compare it to the original because it really is a different film and it's yes. an, and it's such a different film. It's almost like I don't know, like the flip side of a coin, like it's it's grayer and it's drabber of a film whereas the original was so bright and colorful, but yet the gray drabness of the remake makes it its own good thing. Like it's hard to describe and there's some things about it that are just wild to me where I'm like, well, you lost me there. But overall, I think if it were a film that wasn't a remake, it would be a great film on its own. But it's always going to be held up to Argento's original. And and I cannot deviate from the original being the best in my book. So it's a worthy watch. Um, but I'm, uh, this is also coming from somebody who's not usually i don't typically say i i fucking hate that movie you know i may not go back to it it may not be a favorite of mine but i don't care what the movie is i typically don't hate a movie you know i just like some more than i like others
0: well it's what people have told me they're like it would have been a great movie had it not been called suspiria yeah so but uh i i think the clock here is telling me yeah (laughs) i
1: got some animals that uh, need my attention as well over here um
0: (laughs) Is there anything, uh, any um, upcoming things you want to tell us about before we go? Uh, upcoming well, uh, events, um, you know. We're
1: kind of things are kind of starting to slow down for me and for my burlesque peoples, but I would love to just have everybody follow me on social media to stay updated because there will be more coming coming out um, probably in the new year. Here, I think we're on break until then. Uh, but I can be found on Facebook, Instagram, Twitter, and I even have a Patreon. That's where I share a lot of my not safe for work uh, content, my modeling content. Um, And that's Katie Cadaver, Cadaver with a K. You can find me on any of those. Like I said, Facebook, Instagram, Twitter, Patreon, and then Grindhouse Tease. That's two words, Grindhouse Tease, as in, you know, tease you. And that's on Facebook. And we post all of our events and all the things we have going on there so people can you know keep up on that um and if you follow me like i'll bombard you with all of the information for all the burlesque all the modeling all the conventions all the things that i'm doing um it's we're coming into the break time over the holidays but in the new year i will definitely have more happening and i would love to have everybody follow me so they can stay on top of that
0: I will post links and stuff here during the show and, and get it so people can come find you. And, uh, I'll put your information up when we drop the show because, um, I I let myself do something I shouldn't have done, which I let myself get behind on episodes. So this episode uh-uh. should be up tomorrow.
1: <laughs> Perfect. All right.
0: So uh, thank you again for being on the show. I greatly appreciate it. And um, thanks for maybe, having me, man. We can maybe have you back when you're ready to go with your uh, shows again and give everybody yeah. an update. So
1: yeah, I um, would love that. Thank you so much.
0: You're welcome. Well, you have a good night. Take care. And if I don't see you, have a good holiday and Christmas and New Year's and all that fun stuff.
1: Yeah, you too.
0: Take care. Bye.
1: Bye.